We are in the Jesus Is series, um, and I, I notice there's a lot of rules and instructions in life to follow. Having recently traveled through some airports and some, some customs and borders, uh, it felt like I was continually being told when and where to go and how to stand and what line to get into, and, all, and it's like every facet of your life is you, you have to follow along different protocols, and um, rules are harder to follow for some of us than others. Uh, I, I, I actually don't like being told what to do. Uh, it really just, oh, I, I don't like being controlled. And, um, and I, I was re- recently reminded that my teenagers actually feel the same thing. They do not like being told what to do. And I think this is common with all teenagers. I don't think I just got like the couple that like don't really like to be told what to do. I, uh, I, I was reminded just the other day when, when one of my kids looked at me and said, why are there so many rules? Why can't I just live my life? And uh, I, you know, well, that conversation continued on and I won't tell you where the rest of that went, but um, they, it's like there are, there are so many things that we have to do and hoops to jump through and expectations and, and things and um, some instructions are easier to understand than others. Um, making sure you don't hold a chainsaw by the chain uh, seems like a, like a good instruction. That's helpful. Remembering to open the pizza box before you eat the pizza. Um, some of these are, you know, these are good instructions to follow. Um, don't dive into the kiddie pool. Uh, don't iron on the, the, the iron on sticker on the shirt while you're wearing the shirt. That's a helpful one. Um, don't breathe underwater. Again, really helpful, uh, in case you didn't know that. Um, there, there, are, uh, there are some concise instructions that they make perfect sense. And um, those ones you can, you can follow along because they're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I get that one. Uh, I, can, I can do that. Uh, but some instructions are not so easy to follow. Some instructions are, they're, they're just, they're more difficult. Uh, Angela and I recently celebrated our 25th anniversary together. And uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, over, uh, over the years, um, there have been a few difficult experiences that have kind of rocked and tested our marriage a little bit and uh, creating a life together and building our, you know, kind of raising a family and all those things with all of our extended family far away. That's been, that's been challenging at times. Uh, all of our kids, all of our, all of our children came and arrived through very difficult, stressful deliveries. And that really was, that was really hard on us and challenging. And then those babies turned into teenagers, and I already talked about that this morning, but that's an ongoing challenge, you know, for us. And, um, and, uh, Managing careers and schedules and demands of life and ministry and, and business and all those things, that, that, that just kind of, it, it can be difficult on, on your marriage relationship. And um, this past week, we found out both our washing machine and our hot water tank are on their last kind of run of life. And, uh, you know, just managing a household can be stressful and it can be challenging. And all these things that, you know, you go through 25 years of marriage and man, boy, we really, we re- you know, we stuck it out. We overcame some things and we went through some hard times. And uh, of all the tests that we have faced as a married couple, nothing is more difficult in our relationship than assembling something together. 
like a fake Christmas tree or a barbecue that's in a box that has to be put together, um, you know, kids' Lego. It doesn't matter what it is. Building something together for Angie and I, is, is, it, it's, it's hard in our relationship. And one of our, one of our darkest moments as a married couple, was the Ikea futon of 2003. And uh, we went to the store, we picked it out, we brought it home in all of its multiple box glory, and we, we lugged it inside and opened up all the boxes full of excitement and promise and laid out all the pieces and all the parts and um, realized that you're supposed to like do it one box and then to the next, but we had opened everything up and it was all mixed together. And, um, uh, you know, um, I wasn't sure we were gonna pull through that one. Um, the only reason that Ange persevered to get it built was so that she could make sure I slept on it that night. Um, my, my wife is so, she is so incredibly amazing, really she is, and she's in kids ministry, so I'm, I can talk about this today because she can't hear. Um, but she's not overly gifted at spatial recognition and mechanical thinking and seeing stuff and how it fits together. And um, you know, seeing pieces and parts, and just intuitively knowing how it all how it all gets together, and um, and um, wasting uh, time reading directions is not my main strength. And so um, I confess to not being very patient and gracious in those moments. And and my impatience. And Angela's insane need to look at each instructional step-by-step and follow it to the letter uh, makes for an interesting Saturday afternoon together. And um, it all becomes a perfect storm when we have to follow the instructions that were written by Chinese factory workers, translated into Swedish, and then translated again back into English. And you have to follow that all along. And um, my idea of premarital counseling is uh, locking the couple in a room together with a piece of Ikea furniture and telling them, don't come out until it's built. And if they come out and they're getting along and pleasant with one another, they have my approval to get married and my blessing. And um, the reality is, is that some instructions just don't make sense. Some instructions are too complicated. They're too hard, no matter how, how, how much you try, they're too difficult to follow. And This is what many people who encountered Jesus felt. When we look at the New Testament, we understand that it was was a Jewish culture. Jesus grew up, he was born, raised, spent all of his ministry within a few hundred miles of where he was born in 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 and around Jerusalem area. And um, the people we read about in the Bible who interacted with Jesus were all Jews that were steeped in a worldview that was, that was staunchly controlled by religious laws and customs. Their entire understanding of God was filtered through oppressive legalism and the religious control of others. And for many Jews of the day, the God of Abraham uh, was more of a concept than a personal God. And the Jews of the day were caught between two competing realities— They had this one reality was that the way to find God, the way to the Father, the way to have peace with God was to follow the law and fulfill its requirements. That was the the path. That was the way to find peace with God. But on the same side, they knew that it was actually impossible to meet the requirements of the law and fulfill the law. And it was impossible to please God and, and have peace with God in that way. And so they were in a conundrum. They were stuck between 
uh, kind of a limbo land of two realities, of, of never quite being able to reconcile both of these realities. And it left them in this place where a personal connection with God was unattainable. And what had happened is it became replaced with rules and legalism. And they were always striving. The, 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 the Jews of the day were always putting more effort in and more focus and trying harder, putting more of a legalistic approach to follow God and please God through rules and discipline and hard work. And the law resulted in many Jews feeling like they were never good enough for God. I wonder how many of us would feel that at times in our spiritual lives where we feel like we can't kind of do, measure up, be what we should be to make God happy or to please God. And this is why the scriptures say that the rules and regulations of the law failed to bring freedom and instead they actually brought spiritual death. And there are a few passages of scriptures that specifically talk about the fact that the law indeed brought spiritual death to us because we couldn't fulfill it and couldn't reach it on our own. And check out what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 7, 6. He says, but now we have been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. So Jesus came and he rewrote the rules. He changed the code. He changed into interacting and, and the way God and humanity interact on a whole new level in a whole new way. He rewrote everything about how that works. We no longer uh, follow by the obeying the law and the letter of the law, but we live in a new way by the Spirit, and that comes through Jesus. So you might be surprised to hear this in church today, but we don't find peace with God by following rules and regulations. Jesus did not come to institute more rules on your life. He came to set you free and bring you new life. When you welcome Jesus into your life, the Bible calls that becoming born again. And following him is the natural response to his grace in your life. This is what makes the gospel so transforming and so liberating. You see, we don't follow the rules of Christian faith and Christian living to gain God's approval. This is so important. We live a Christian life out of response to the love and grace that Jesus lavishes on us. And Jesus loves us, and, and, and when he shows up in our life, he removes all of the pressure to be someone we're not. And this is, this is liberating in the gospel. Do you understand that even though we sometimes feel like there are, are, are rules and there are expectations and there are things that we should do and accountability as believers and, and that we should kind of honor God and the way we live and the choices we make and all those things, we don't do those things to gain God's approval. We do those things because it's out of response. We want to give him honor. We want to respond to the grace and love that he lavishes on us. And one is motivated out of fear and one is motivated out of love and grace that is reflected back to the Father. So your obedience and your desire to follow him and honor him and live holy and all those things, it actually is like holding up a mirror and reflecting back God's goodness back up to him. 
because that's what he, he put on us. Every person in this room is loved by Jesus and he takes great joy out of who you are. Your failures, your addictions, your scars are not enough to keep you away from God. We don't work our way to God. We don't prove ourselves to God. We don't earn God's love. And all of the stuff and all the weaknesses and all the problems and all the stuff that comes up in our life and in our heart that we think, I, I, I don't know if this is honoring God. I don't know where this, how can I make these two things connect? God loves us in spite of all of those things. And, and, and he, he welcomes us into his heart and into his kingdom. And what breaks the heart of God is when we try to fill the void with substitutes because money and material things will never bring peace to your soul. A successful career will never satisfy the longing in your heart for significance and connection to something greater than you. Uh, booty calls and one night stands will never fulfill the desire that you have for connection for something greater. Numbing the pain of loneliness with substitutes and other things, alcohol and pornography and all these kinds of things will never bring peace to the deeper longings of our heart. There are areas of our soul that only Jesus fits. You know when you're, you're a kid and you have the, the, the triangle and the block and the circle and the star and the moon and you're trying to put it all together? There are parts of our life that are shaped by Christ. There is a part of our soul that is created to have connection to Jesus as the creator. And everything else, we try as hard as we can. It won't fit, it won't, it won't satisfy, it won't fill the way Jesus can. Jesus is the one who gets into the longing and the deeper places of our soul. And he brings life to those areas of our heart. And when Jesus shows up, we discover that he's what we've needed all along. In John 14, 1, 6, Jesus says this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas says this, he says, no, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. In verse five, Thomas, who's one of these disciples, he says, we don't know the way, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus says something so great in his response. He says, Thomas, I'm the way. He says, I'm the way. And I love this picture of Jesus. And I have grown to understand and appreciate so much more on what Jesus is doing and what he's saying and how he's communicating with the disciples in this passage of scripture. He's really saying that I'm the way. I'm, I'm everything about your life and I'm the path and you put everything into me and follow me. I'm gonna get the, the band to come. We're gonna get ready to close. Um, we went to Disneyland a year ago. I got so many great preaching stories out of that trip. Um, every church 
should pay for their pastor's family to go to Disneyland because the, the preaching and the stories get that much better. And um, uh, if you want to give this morning with text to give, um, don't, don't put down pastor's trip to Disneyland because Revenue Canada doesn't like that. Just put down LA Outreach and we'll make sure it gets to the right, <laughs> gets directed to the right place. But um, I, I've, already, I've already, I think, told this story once, but I, I want to repeat it because I think it's so fitting for this idea of who Jesus is when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And uh, a year ago when we were, we were in Disney on our last night, we stayed for the fireworks in front of the castle. And before the fireworks is uh, a parade. There's about 45 or 50,000 people in the park on, on the days that we were there. And we found a great spot to watch the parade. Uh, it's kind of like a little hidden away place and I found it on some form and you sat in a, I mean, who gets to sit on a bench in Disneyland to watch the parade? But we did. Okay, it was awesome. And um, the only problem was we were in what's called the fallout zone for the fireworks. So you watch the parade, okay, so 50,000 people watching the parade, and then 20,000 people are forced to move and squeeze into the other 30,000 people to watch the fireworks. That's not a great idea. That doesn't, that doesn't work so well. But if you don't want burning lava to fall on you, then you have to, you know, you have to get moved out. So they move us out, and we are lined up, and you can just feel the social angst rise in the crowd because everybody is jammed in. And people who had the perfect spot for the parade and fireworks now are, have to move and accommodate other people and people are, kids are crying and it's been a long day and it's dark and it's like it's taking forever to start. And we're all, stand, and, and I'm thinking, okay, as a dad, I'm, I'm assessing the situation and I realize that when these fireworks are done, it's going to be a madhouse in here. And we're jammed in here, and there's one like narrow Main Street Disney with all the candy apples and all the souvenirs that you have to go to get out. And I'm thinking, this is not going to end well for a lot of people. And so um, I'm doing the math, and the fireworks are done at 9.45, and the last tram, the last trolley back to the, to the hotel where we're staying leaves at 10. Okay, so... And there are way more people than there are seats for the last tram. And so I'm thinking, we got to come up with a plan here, or this is, you know, we're, we're going to get separated, and we're going to be, uh, we're not going to get back, and this is just not going to go well. And so um, what happens is uh, I look at Ava, especially, who's my youngest daughter, and she's, you know, she's like only this high, so she can't see up and over people. She's way below everybody. And I'm looking at Ava and I'm thinking, like, especially for her, what happens if we get separated? What happens if we get split up? And um, she's going to get like, caught up in the crowd and just pushed along. And like, I don't know where she's going to end up when the crowd flushes out of these gates. And uh, so I looked at Ava and I said, honey, it's going to get nuts when it's time to leave. Uh, and we might get separated, but don't worry. I'll tell you how to get to the hotel and you can find your way there. And so when, when the crowd leaves, we're going to go around the traffic circle. Don't take the first right because that takes you to Indiana Jones and that's not where you want to go. You want to go, keep going around, but stay on the right-hand side and take the second one. Follow down Main Street. It's going to get too busy, so cut into the stores. You can actually go through the stores, come back out at the end, go through the gates, kind of on the right side, but not on the very right side because those gates are going to go through and clear through security. And then they're going to go around. And when you go through, you have to go out to security. Don't go left, but make sure you go to the downtown Disney area. 
And, um, and you know where we catch all the tram and the trolleys and the trains come by? Well, don't go to the right side because those ones go to a different. And, and, and don't go to the left so much because everybody lines up and it's really busy. You want to actually cut way over to the left, go over by the Starbucks and the Lego store and come around so you can get kind of to the front of the line on the other side and then you'll make sure. And when we get off, make sure you get off at the right spot. Remember that parkade? And and then you got to go up to level C and don't take the escalator because it lines up too much and don't take the elevator because people are waiting with baby strollers. Take up the stairs. When you come up, make sure that you don't go to area five, but go to area six and follow the signs because you got to go all the way down through the parkade, down, across, through the security guard, through the staff parking. Remember the little security hut? Keep going past that. And where the big stack of palm trees is, that's where you turn left. And then you follow that block all the way down to the hotel. And then, do you remember where the busy road is and it's really hard to, you gotta be careful because it's dark out and you gotta make sure you cross that. And, and our hotel is the second one on the left. She looked at me, she says, okay, dad, good, I got it, awesome. Okay, of course I didn't tell my daughter that, okay? Of course I didn't lay that out to her. There's no way she ever would have got back to the hotel. And I would have lost her forever. I don't know where she would be right now. I looked at Ava and I said, Ava, at the end of the fireworks, it's going to get crazy in here. And I don't want to lose you. But don't worry, dad knows the way. All you have to do is hold on to the back of my hoodie and don't let go. Because I know the way. You see, Ava didn't have to know anything else. I didn't have to give her all the rules and the regulations and the instructions and do this and turn here and go here and do that and jump through this hoop and do it all right and perfect and then at the very end, you're gonna come back. I just said, Ava, I know the way. I can see. Don't worry. You just hold on to me. The only thing Ava had to know was hold on to her dad because he knows the way. And this is what Jesus is doing when he tells Thomas, he says, Thomas, you know the way because you know me and I'm the way. And Jesus shows up in this culture that is trying so hard and striving so hard to please God and earn his approval and follow the regulations and follow the law and all these things. And they're all like, what do I do to be saved? God, tell me how to do it. And Jesus just says, I'm the way. Hold on to me. And in reality, Jesus comes to every one of us and he says, look, it's going to get crazy out there. And if you want to go find the Father, that's where I'm going and I know the way. And all you've got to do is hold on to me. And the invitation that Jesus gives us, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but through me, it's an invitation for him to say, here, hold on to the back. Hold on to the back of my hoodie. Hold on to the back of my cloak. Hold on. And don't let go. Because I know the way to the Father. And it is an open invitation to every one of us to hold on to Jesus and to know that he is the way. And we get it so backwards. Sometimes we think the way to the Father is by doing everything right and fitting the mold and making sure that we look good to everybody else on the outside and everything's together. Meanwhile, on the inside, things are in turmoil and not going well. And Jesus just says, hold on to me because I'm the way. 
Being a good person can't save you. Trying to follow the rules can't save you. There's no religion that can save you. Going to church at the house can't save you. Some of those things you can live out of response to Jesus, but that's not the way. Jesus is the way. And you have an opportunity today to welcome Jesus into your life. And that that opportunity is for all of us. And as we close today, uh, we're going to do it this way. Could I get you to, to just stand? We're going to get everybody to stand. We're just about done. And would you just bow your heads in this moment of reverence? And I want to talk to you as two kind of maybe groups or definitions of people this morning. Maybe you have never welcomed Jesus into your life. Maybe you've never taken um, maybe a formal step to say, Jesus, I know you're the way and I want to follow you. I want to welcome you into my life and I want to make room for you and invite you into my heart, into my life and I want to know you as the way and the truth and the life. I want to I want to follow you. I want to be a Christian. I want to be born again. Maybe you've never done that this morning and you have an opportunity to do it. And perhaps you have been following Jesus for quite some time and you got a little bit sidetracked in the journey and the path and you know that you've been focusing on other stuff and other things and you've kind of, Jesus got ahead of you and you kind of let go of of his cloak. You let go of Jesus' hoodie and the crowds and the rush of life and everything has kind of got in between and separated you. And it's not like you don't believe in Jesus. And I know you can just you can just see him. He's just there, but you haven't quite caught up to him yet. And today there's an opportunity and an invitation for you to just take another step, another commitment and say, hold it, Jesus. Wait, I, I want to grab on to you again. I want to hold on to you because I know you're the way. And so as we are in this moment of prayer and this moment of reflection I wonder this morning if you would like to say Jesus I want to I want to make you my way I want to know you as my way I I want to follow you as my way I haven't done that before Jesus but today I want to open my heart to you and if that's you this morning would you just slip your hand up Jesus, I want to do that. You, know, you can put it down. You don't have to hold it up, but nice and high so I can see you would be awesome. Yeah. Say, Jesus, I just want to welcome you. Thank you. And Jesus, I pray for those that put their hands up. I know I saw a couple, and Lord, there may be more. I pray that, Jesus, you would come into each life and each heart Lord, that just surrendered to you, that said, yes, that's me. Jesus, do you see me? That's me. Here's my hand. I want to welcome you into my life and into my heart. I want you to be the way. Jesus, I pray that you would show up in their life and that you would make yourself known and that they would find you and find relationship with you and that you would become everything. You would become the way, the truth, and the life in every area of their heart. Jesus, in this moment, I pray for those that are, they've followed you. They've been following you for a long time. They're still following you, but they feel like maybe 
you just kind of got a little bit further ahead and they, they let go and stuff has come in between. And I wonder this morning how many would say, yeah, that's me, but I need to grab a hold of Jesus again. I haven't been making him the way that I know he sh- he's supposed to be and the way he should, but I want to do that in my life today. How many of you would say, I, I want to grab hold of Jesus again? I want to make him my way. Thank you, Lord, for those that put their hands up. I pray, God, that you would come and you would reveal yourself to every heart and every life. Those that said, Jesus, I don't know how, but you somehow got ahead of me. We somehow got separated, but I can still see you. I pray, Lord, that you would give us courage to run and to squeeze through the people and to push every obstacle and everything aside and to get up to you and find you and grab a hold of you and hold on to your hoodie and say, Jesus, lead me. I don't know how or why we got separated, but Jesus, I want to hold on to you. I pray that, Lord, you would do that. You would give us courage to make the changes. You would give us courage to push those obstacles and those things that separated us out of the way. And Jesus, you would help us to find you and hold on to you. I thank you for this community and I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them this morning as we go about our weeks. Jesus, we would be reminded that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.